This is Hebrew Hits, presented by JTribeRadio.com. I'm your host, Malia, and I sit down with people who live by the motto, it's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. Welcome to Hebrew Hits. I'm your host, Malia, and today I have the privilege of sitting down with the voice over guy. He's literally awesome. I'm so excited I get to sit down with him. I know he's flushing over there, making some funny faces. But before I get there, I'd like to kindly ask you if you can please go subscribe to Hebrew Hits Radio on YouTube and please hit that subscribe button and please go follow us on all your favorite streaming apps. We are also available on Facebook and Instagram at Hebrew underscore hits. Well, today is the 43rd episode of Hebrew Hits. I'm here to introduce Yako Berger. How are you doing today? Hello, Malia. How are you? I am so excited to be here. I'm My good. I can't believe I'm finally. <laughs> I can't believe I'm finally sitting down with you. I see you on LinkedIn. I feel like I know you already. This is so awesome that you're on my show. You know, if I may, if I may say something, this reminds me of uh, when I learned back and well, we'll get into it a little bit more as the show progresses. Uh, I studied in Riverdale Yeshiva. We used to have a fellow that worked there. His name was Bob. Almost like, you know, I think he was Bob the Builder's cousin or something. Uh, they're named after the same people. And uh, I remember him coming in one day talking about there was an issue with the plumbing. And he would, he came in and said, I got to tell you, the pipes are sweating. I don't know what he meant by that, but I know what he means now. The pipes are sweating. <laughs> All nervous and everything. It's so much easier to record something when you're behind the microphone. It's just me talking, you know, have the script in front of me. That's about it. You know, I mean, here I'm actually speaking with another live human being or a human being live or both. It's like, wow. Oh, my God. I don't think I've ever laughed so hard at the beginning of an interview. It's hilarious. Are you really sweating? You're really nervous? You're very, very, very no, nervous. No, my, 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 everything else is fine besides my leg. It's developed a twitch. And so if you hear banging. <laughs> Why are you so nervous to be on my show? Come on. No, it's 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 anybody. I I tell you quite just to to tell you the truth that I I actually was appointed gabai of my shul to make the announcements, and uh, Baruch Hashem, I do pepper it with some some humor as well. And even though I've actually been making announcements for so many years, but I still, whenever I have to go up and I'm facing a crowd, I still get the jitters. I I don't think it's that I'm nervous to actually you know speak with someone. whether it's one person or audience, that type of thing. It's just, you know, there, there's a concept called Ainsa which is the fear of the crowd, but that's, but that's not really what it is. I think it's more the anticipation of, you know, like, the, or it's, it's more of uh, an excitement type of a twitch. It's really what it is. I you know, know. Well, I'm going to uh, ask you really deep, personal things that I really want to know about your life. And we're going to get really into it. It's going to get really, okay. you're going to get very vulnerable. Okay. So, yes, I oh, think you should no. be a little bit nervous. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Then having said that, my other foot started twitching now. <laughs> well, Yaakov, let me yes. ask you this. I know where you are right now. You're living in Lakewood and you're hilarious. How was your upbringing? And can you tell me a little bit about your background, how you really became who you are, like this hilarious guy? Sure. Tell me about your upbringing. So my parents, uh, we actually, we grew up on a farm in Idaho uh, many, many years ago. We uh, we lived uh, without any running water, without any electricity. Are you serious? Um, no, I actually could. <laughs> oh my god! Shucks, I couldn't hold that. Uh, that that just without anyway. So we're, I'm actually Brooklyn, Brooklyn born and bred. 
which is, uh, incidentally, that's why some of the people that hear my voiceovers, some of the people like they, I'm gonna say they, they, some of them, they are able to detect the strong Brooklyn accent, like, oh, Rocky type of accent. But be that as it may, I, bore, I, I, I grew up in Brooklyn, um, Flatbush all my life. Parents moved to Muncie in 1989. That's in terms of my, you know, where I grew up. I went to, um, I can tell you the name of the yeshiva I went to. Sure. Whatever it, you like. Sure. San Quentin. It's a prison that's in upstate New York. That, that, that was later in life. It took a while till I got there. Okay. Well, okay. Too much humor is no good. Let's get serious now. No, the truth is I went to Yeshiva Tzfarasili Melech in Brooklyn. Uh, I was there for about 10 years. My parents um, were founding parents of the Yeshiva. Then after that, I went to learn in Riverdale Yeshiva for seven years. Wow. Afterward, I went straight to Lakewood, uh, whereas most of my friends went straight to, not straight, they went to Eretz Yisrael. Um, my rebellion felt that there wasn't too much in it for me and that I wouldn't gain much from there. Uh, you're talking about, like, we're going like 60 years ago, there weren't that many yeshivas. So I not hear. 60 years ago, not 60 years ago. It was I know, 90, I know, I know, I get your humor by now. I get it. <laughs> it was in 1992 or uh, that I left. It was 93, actually, 93. I wasn't even born. See that? I'm giving away too much. You're going to, I'm not telling you my birthday. Well, fear, I'll tell you because you can send, I'll tell you where to send my birthday checks to. But at any rate. You're born um, in October, no? No, born in July. Oh, July 26th. Okay, you're guessing that. Close. Okay. <laughs> July, July 21st is my birthday. I'm not telling you the year. We'll keep it at okay. that. Okay, fine. Uh, so at any rate, my friends went to Israel to learn, to study, continue their studies. I went straight to Lakewood. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but like I mentioned to many people, it was probably more difficult for me to, to uh, make that transition from Riverdale to Lakewood than it was actually getting married. And I, I, I'm not worried about my wife listening to this because she probably is not gonna listen to this because she doesn't have a smartphone, thankfully. You know, I made sure of that because this way I can get to do the quirky and crazy stuff and she will never ever see what I'm doing. She hears it from a lot of other people. My daughter comes in and says, Tati, my friends say that you must be so crazy funny at, ho at home. And I, they really don't know that, that I'm, I'm more serious when I'm not at home than when I am at home, but, but that's, maybe that's for later. But wow. let me just you want in terms of this. So it, why it was more difficult is because when I, I was, like I mentioned, in Riverdale Yeshiva, which were probably the greatest, one of the, great, the greatest years of my life in terms of uh, great rebellion, great friends. Um, and uh, I, was, I went from a Yeshiva of 120 Bacharim to 5,120 Bachram slash in the light, where I was, I went from being second oldest in yeshiva to being not very well known. So right. it was, it was quite difficult. You know, a lot of people go to Lakewood do have that difficulty adjusting to it, which is why it's always recommended that people go with their chabura, with their group of friends that they, that they, you know, studied with or were together with years prior. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, for me, it didn't work out that way. Uh, it is what it is, but uh, and that's that's basically that's in terms of the yeshivas that where I studied and so on. Were you always used to being the loud, fun, entertaining person in your old school, and then when you came to Lakewood, you were expecting to be that loud person who was always, you know, cheering people up, making jokes, and then you were like, oh my gosh, I don't know where I fit in. Well, that's a great question. So I tell you the truth. Um, 
Loud, not so much loud. Funny, yes. Entertaining, I have some interesting pictures that I took when I was in Riverdale. But even, even though I wasn't necessarily the life of the party, and like I said, regardless if I would have been a humorist or not and been the comedian of Riverdale, I think that anyone in that situation, when you're going from being with your guys, with your Febra, with your friends, and and um, going to yeshiva where you just have to make new friends at that age, that's that's pretty tough. So I wouldn't say like, you know, I got there the first day in Lakewood and I got up on my uh, with soapbox and instead of, you know, trying to do stand-up comedy and only heard about the crickets. I'm like, kind of believe this. You know, I left Riverdale and no one's even paying attention to my humor. It was just the transition itself was very, very tough, you know, because not having my, my you know, the, the folks that I grew up with, that's really what it was. And you didn't go with any friends, right? No, I mean, there were a lot of people from Aishiva that were already there, older Chavah that had already been in Israel and then they came back, which they, I, I, just even off the top, thinking of the few people I know, I know who have in, you know, who, I'm, who I have in mind, some, some close friends of mine, they, they made it all the more easy for me to, to make that transition. Again, even though they were my age, but because being in Riverdale with 90 to 120 Bahram, so it was a very close-knit community. So even though, you know, those guys graduated before I did, they went to Israel. By the time I got to Lakewood, the older guys came back. So, and I was always friendly with them. I, that's one of the things, Baruch Hashem, I, I take pride right. in. Not, not, in, not in, a, in a haughty way, mm-hmm. but Baruch Hashem, always friendly with whether the guy's younger than me, guy's older than me. I always felt that I wasn't looking, there was no niche. It wasn't part of a niche to say like, you know, these are my guys, I have nothing to do with you, that type of thing. And ultimately, it probably helped me that when I made that transition, it was so difficult not to have the friends from my, my age group. Right. These old guys that were there in Lakewood, remember, these guys are, a lot of them were already married. They already had mm-hmm. families of their own. So, but a lot of them, they, 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 they brought me in. They, they, you know, I was invited to many a meal and Shabbos and, and so on. So that made it easy. I have actually a great story about getting invited for Shabbos. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a known thing here in, in Lakewood that, a lot of times, guys have a long week. So if you want to have a quick meal, Yeshiva has everything set up for you. You can have a meal, uh, you know, breakfast, lunch, supper, uh, weekday Shabbos, the, you know, Yom Tovim, the holidays, so on and so forth. At any rate, it was my first, it was, a, it was a summer, hot summer day. And I was invited, I was invited to eat by somebody's house for Shabbos day meal. So I get to the house and I'm knocking and I'm knocking and knocking. As we say, he nobody was answering. Nothing doing. So having no choice after about a half an hour, 45 minutes, I went to the yeshiva and I uh, put in like a 10, 15 minute meal, the quickest meal I've ever done. You know, speed, I, I would have put Speedy Gonzalez to shame with the, you know, based on how fast I actually, you know, ate that meal. Oh, uh, so after the Shabbos, I found out that what happened was that the, 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 so the host got hold of me and he apologized. I'm so sorry. I'm sure you got the note that I left for you on your bed that I wasn't able to make it for Shabbos. And I'm like, um, <laughs> I, I don't know how to break this to you. I never got a note. He said, Yaakov Berger is your name, right? I said, yeah. But at the same time, there was another Yaakov Berger who was in the dormitory as I was. No way. <laughs> Took the note and he dropped it. On the, so, you know, now we're like 25 years later. It's very possible that the host of the other Yaakov Berger is still waiting for him for the meal. In other words, the host, there was oh the, other, the other Yaakov Berger got the note stating, you know, we're not here for Shabbos. We're so sorry. Those hosts are probably waiting for their guests. 
my host, you know, they went wherever they went for Shabbos, and I ended up in the yeshiva. But you know, you never figured that out. You never just you never spoke to him, asked the, him what at the time. At the time, you mean at the time? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't put two and two together. There, so that's fine. We, so, that, that, was a, that was a ninety. Yeah, that was a ninety-three. So that's like eons ago. That was decades ago. That was a. That was a, like you know, like yeah. A lifetime ago, because I wasn't born again. I wasn't born. Say, yeah. it was a lifetime uh, for many people ago. Yeah, that's true. Uh, by the way, I'm very happy that you're bringing up the whole topic that you were nervous, like the whole friends thing. You were, you had a sure. lot of friends, you know, in Riverdale, and then you came to Lakewood. I never knew that boys struggle with this. I always thought boys are chill. You go, you know, boys don't. Boys have friends, but it's not like boys like chill with friends. Like girls, it's different. Like they have their brother friends, and then. It's hard for girls to break out if they go to a new school to start becoming sure. friends with other girls. So I'm very happy you brought that up, that boys also struggle with it. I never, ever thought if, boys would struggle. It, right, right, if they don't have their chavra. I mean, of course, that's a, you, you need, yeah, yeah. You know, there's, 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 a, there's an expression in the Gemara, there's an expression in the Talmud that says, oi chavrusa, oi misusa, which means either I have my friends, or it's like, give me friends or give me death. Like, you know, give me liberty or give me death. Yeah. It's an actual it's an actual quote in the in the in the Talmud that says that friends are everything and especially ma especially making that transition without having my core group of guys mm -hmm. uh, I, I dread even like something I think back to those days like uh, whatever <laughs> moving right along <laughs> that's so hard though like why did nobody want to go with you no you it's, not matter, totally it's, not, it's not a matter of it, I, I was the odd man out right because in my days, the, the, the folks from yeshiva, they went to the, the, the two main yeshivas or three main yeshivas. Today, there are many, many more yeshivas and many more options for boys to go mm -hmm. to today. Really branched out a lot. But it was like the two brisk yeshivas, and then there was mere yeshiva, let's say. My friends went to the two of the two brisk yeshivas. They went there, meaning that's where they were headed to next. As, as right. most of the people prior to our class, that's where they go to. But I was the odd man out because for me, I would have gotten lost in the mirror and brisk wasn't it just wasn't the place for me you know right. so it wasn't my my speed so I ended up working out, everything worked out in the end in liquid because yeah. it's still there today right so for me well today liquid's definitely a different place it worked out for me in in in, in the sense of that baruch hashem baruch hashem i did get married a year later and obviously having that yeah so i mean i get married in 94 and how old were I, you I was, oh, you're, I see you're doing that. You're figuring this out. <laughs> Not so fast. Not so fast. <laughs> I make a deal with you. Everybody, all of your listeners, and you could do the math. And as long as you send me swag and you send checks to my, my address, which I'm not exactly giving where it is, but suffice it to say that uh, it's from an underground bunker somewhere in Lakewood, New Jersey, near Kimball Hospital. And that's all I'm telling you. Oh so I'm sorry. So I forgot. I just got. I, I lost the track. The track. You were of saying how you got married. I, got married. I, was, I was 24. I was 24 years old. Oh wow. Okay. 24. So you were 20. Okay, I'll figure out the math after the episode. Yeah. But you got yes. married a year. So that whole first year, how would you explain? Was that like challenging the whole year? How did you get through that whole first year on Lakewood? It was, you mean how did I go through that first year? Yeah. It, it, it was. It was quite. It was tough. It was tough. But. I want to share, and again, you know, I had a great, a great bashert story, if you will, that happened um, in term, uh, in, in the in the process of actually finding my my wife. Mm -hmm. There, the, the way it works is in in like with yeshiva, is that you have what we call there are regular what we call yeshivasha mesechtas or tractates. Again, for your listeners who 
uh, this track of 60 track dates is how the entire shas or the Talmud is comprised of 60 track dates. And there are what we call the yeshiva mesectus or track dates. There are typical like seven or eight of them that are typically, no matter which yeshiva you're in, there are certain cycles you go through, you always study the same ones. But then because the, you know, the Talmud is so large and, and Judaism and, and the teachings and the, the Torah is so large, there are a lot of different venues, a lot of not venues, a lot of different areas of Torah that you can choose to study from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting the way Lakewood is set up is that like the main base medrash they study these particular tractates but across the street in the other building uh, that time they're learning other tractates that are not normally touched upon in regular yeshivas let's put it that way so at any rate so the, 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 at the time the way it would work is that in the main base medrash that's for basically all the buffer and the single guys that's where they stay that's where they study mm-hmm. Just ended up that way. Across the street was typically it's called, it was called Base Leo, which was interestingly enough, it was made of ten trailers, real tra- little trailers put together. Today, so they knocked down the trailers about five, six, or seven years ago. It's a beautiful, beautiful edifice that they that they erected over there. But be that as it may, those were after my after my days after I left uh, um, Lakewood Yeshiva. Still mm-hmm. in Lakewood, but not not in BMG Beth Medrash Gavos, so not not in Lakewood Yeshiva. Um, at any rate, so so. I, I sort of split with my learning partner, what we call a Havruta, Havrusa. It didn't work out for whatever reason, even though I was in the main base medish. So a friend, a guy, not a friend of mine, who was it again? That's the guy who, who was there. But it, be that as it may, he said, you know what? Why don't you come across and we'll study in the trailers and that in the trailer building. So I did because, listen, I initially, it wasn't like I only went to Lakewood to to learn, I mean, to, to get married. But people say like, that's where that's that's the springboard to, to get married. I went there because for me, in terms of the next step in life, I wasn't going to Israel, and that was the next thing. Incidentally, I know that event I was going to get married from Lakewood Yeshiva as well. Fine. Um, when a friend of mine heard that I was switching from the main base medrash, from the main study hall, to go across the street to the the trailer building, he said, "You know that." single guys really they, they don't come across the street and for matchmaking purposes for shidduch purposes it's sure it's going to work out i said listen i came here to study well, again of course i was going to get married from lakewood but this is i came to study because i didn't go to israel with the rest of my friends if hashem wants me to find my basher if hashem wants me to find my soulmate it will happen i'm not worried about it well guess yeah. what a few weeks after I moved to the to, to this, the trailers to that building, it was called Base Elio, the House of Elijah. Oh, wow. Base Elio, that was the name of it. So a few weeks after I I, I moved there, so I I only found this, I found this out after I was already engaged. A friend of my future brother-in-law at the time at the at the time was my future brother-in-law, right? Okay, right. That's a His name is his name is Yah. His first name was Yasi. Okay. Yossi gets, gets a phone call from my brother-in-law, Bensi. Bensi is actually his real name. They're both, both real first names. My brother was Bensi, and the friend of his name, Yossi. Bensi calls up, Yossi, hi, um, my sister is going out, and um, I'd like to know, can I ask you a question about, maybe you know who this guy is? So, okay, what's the guy's name? Says Yaakov Berger. So Yossi scratched Yaakov Berger. Oh, yeah, that's so funny, because Yaakov Berger just moved into my room like three weeks ago. He's sitting on the same row as I'm sitting. 
Wow. And, another, and, and this is what it was like. I was like, it was a very crucial date for me, number four, number five, in terms of that. It was really serious at that point, and some real serious questions were being asked. Mm-hmm. And it just happened to be, by the way, in Judaism, we don't believe in anything. There's no such thing as happenstance. Right. Purim stories happen. We're, we're going to be reading the story of Megillah in five weeks. It's all about that is no such thing as happenstance. Because you know when there's too many coincidences, you know that somebody's pulling the strings. But that's just for, that's for a different time. But the point is that, he, and I was really true to what I, I really felt that way, that if I'm going to find my Zivig when Hashem wants me to find it, here I am, I moved across the street, right next to my brother-in-law's friend, and he asked him some pertinent questions, and, and there you go. Wow, that is really incredible. Yeah, I, I can't even believe. And then if, he would not have known you if you didn't move across the street, right? Right, yeah. And he even asked him, he asked him at the time, my, my sister is very interested in the guy that wants to do voiceovers. If he's not going to do voiceovers, forget about it. Hey, you're joking. Yes, I am. The voiceover, oh. <laughs> that didn't come to later. Wow. So you were already, da- you're saying you were, you were already dating your wife for like four or five dates when he called. More right. But, but yeah, that's right. That's correct. Yeah. Wow. So then, okay, so you started, you went into yeshiva, you got married, and then what happened? You stayed uh, there in that yeshiva? So I was in the, the yeshiva, meaning it's Beth Medrash Gavoa. This is the largest yeshiva in the United States mm-hmm. of America. Um, today, it could be there's close to 10,000 students in a couple of few buildings dispersed mm-hmm. over a square mile area or so. Uh, I was never very good at math or area or trigonometry or algebra or whatever you need to mm-hmm. measure area. Um, <laughs> pi, pi, something that I know. Um, well, you eat a lot of it, no? Yeah, which is why it's good that you only see my head. <laughs> and um, so I was in the yeshiva. So I was in the yeshiva for a solid. Meaning, after I got married, I was in kolel also. Again, for yeah. those listeners out there, for your, your listeners though, what well, they don't know, kolel is a well, basically is that even after people um, when say um, Orthodox um, Torah scholars. They like to carry on. They want to spend a few more years, even if ultimately they don't go into the field of, let's say, teaching rabbinics or things like that. They still want to start off their first few years of marriage in what we call kolel. Kolel, mm-hmm. forget the little translation of it. I would do it more disservice if I tried to translate it. But be that as it may, so people spend some time in, in this, what we call kolel, even after they're married. You know, you want to start off your marriage on that, uh, on that, on that, with that footing, so to speak. And mm-hmm. I was there for about nine years. Wow. Nine years, right. So nine years you didn't work, you just learned. That's correct. Do you feel that going into a marriage, learning at like a learning full time and not working yet is more um, beneficial for the marriage than working right away? So again, I mean, this is a, this is a great question. It's, you know, every marriage is different than obviously not everybody's looking for a cool little guy, but in terms of, I, my, my wife is a wonderful, wonderful person and she wanted that. And again, we have to understand something again, for your listeners out there, it doesn't work for everybody. It's not, that's the way, that's not what we're, that's not what we're trying to sell over here. It's a beautiful thing if it could work out. Um, my wife, um, she actually has a master's in special ed. Here in Lake, which is very, she's very sought after in a particular field in special ed. She's been doing it for, I think it's uh, close to 30 years now. And yeah. she wanted to be able to have someone that will spend, you know, that will spend some more time studying and learning. You know, I'll tell you one of the questions that when we, when we were dating, one of the questions we're asked is, so how many years does he want to sit and learn for? 
you know, Hashem's in charge. It's not for me to decide how many. So obviously I said, listen, I would love to be able to spend time sitting and studying Torah as much as I possibly can. So long as it's not too much of a burden on my wife, on my parents, and so on and so forth. If Hashem decides for me that it's going to work out for only a week, because if things, God forbid, w- will arise, then it is what it is. But yeah. so long as we can do it, and people are, you know, I never felt for myself, I never felt, I wasn't in the business, and I'm not saying that people do this. Don't, no one should take, get me wrong in this. I'm not in the business of pressuring my in-laws, you have to pay me because I have to sit and learn, or my parents, you have to pay me because of what I'm doing. No. Yeah. If they were willing, that's fine. My wife was, was ready and willing. She wanted to have that. She wanted to have that base. She wanted to be able to start off marriage based on a real strong Torah footing and something that would also eventually, as children you know, come into the world, for the children to see their tati, their daddy, their abba sitting and studying Torah, that also makes a very big impression. So that's, that's right. you know, really where that is. It takes a very strong woman to actually make that decision, you know, and yes. especially to say she wants her kids to see their father learning. So you got that married, you had, you had kids right away, you didn't have kids. What was this? Right. What happened over there? So this is, this is the interesting part, right? So um, we got married and we did not have any children for close to six years. Oh, and wow. obviously without, <clears throat> excuse me, without getting into the gory details, because obviously that's not for this forum, for this interview, but put it this way. Um, if there's, if there's one place that's really tough, not having children, <laughs> it would have to be Lakewood. Because wow. remember Lakewood, and as I say, which will continue to grow. You know, I, I'll give you an example. Just this week alone in Lakewood, in one of the, the local publications, there are an average, and I'm not exaggerating, an average of 20 to 30 children born a week in Lakewood. Wow. It's a young community. It's always... A, yeah, now they, obviously, even though over the years it's, it's turned into an older community as well because people mm-hmm. stay here. But you know, Kanina Hari, you have a lot of young people coming in from Eretz Israel, even not Israel, other places, very young community. And and Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, it's like it's what we call a real baby boomer society. So for me, forget about the actual challenge of of not having children right away. But I mean, not forget about, but one of the difficult of it was like you know every day so you you go into the base medrash and you open up your gemara by the stender and you hear oh mazatov 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 and as you're hearing mazatov you you slink lower and lower and lower into your chair because um you know you know you're not one of those people that have been blessed with a mazatov yet and it was it was a six years of uh it was a it was a real roller coaster of a ride um, I'm going to give the short try to be, people were trying to be sensitive around you in Lakewood or they would just shoot out model without you. Yeah, well, so again, see, Lakewood is a large place. So, you know, your friends would be more sensitive. It, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, you know, one of the questions that always comes up when you deal with people that are in that Parsha and Hashem mm-hmm. should, you know, um, I'm going to jump ahead for a second and, you, and I know we're going to be discussing this soon, but Right now, I know for a fact there are over between 75 and 85 couples here in Lakewood that are waiting for their first child. So although it's it's a small percentage per se, you know, vis-a-vis the rest of the community, but nevertheless, um, as my Pesach Crone said it very succinctly, he said waiting for a child is for let's say a fair a couple that has waited for five years, it's not five mm-hmm. years, it's 60 months. Five years, 60 months, you're saying because of babies. It's not, no, no, no. Wait, those that are waiting to have their first child, 
Yeah. It's not that you're waiting for five years. It's waiting for 60 months. Every day, the waiting period, you look at it by the hour, by the day. You don't look at it like, well, it's not just five years. It's every month, one month, two Oy. months, 10 months, 24 months, 35 months. So the every day is like, you know. Um, so I, it's interesting that, you know, one of the people that Baruch Hashem, that, that there are Zoha, that merit to have children right away, Mm-hmm. Or one of the tricky things is for a friend or a sibling to want to relate that information to their friend, their relative, and so on. By the way, I have great news. Is it, do I say something or do I not say something? Right. Because you imagine you end up coming to a family simcha and then you notice that one of your relatives or friends is expecting like, surprise, like, why did you say anything to me? You know that I'm so close. Right. You know, so it, it's 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 a very it's a sensitive topic, and you know you have to know how to deal with it and what the property. But overall, it wasn't like there were these. Um, uh, listen, Amalia, with everything in life, my father passed away seven and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Right now, during the shiva, and people can attest this. People that that God forbid, I don't wish on anybody. Anyone that had to sit shiva, you're always going to have one or two people that are going to make like that stupid comment. And it, and and people mean well. People do yeah. mean well. But unfortunately it just comes out that you know they just they like they have nothing to say though they have to feel like they have to say something. Mm-hmm. So even not to compare the two in terms of someone that God forbid has lost a loved one, but in terms of even in this in the waiting game when it comes mm-hmm. to that, sometimes you have to know, you have to be very sensitive what to say, not to say. Like, you know, my wife was car, my wife would be carpooling with people to, to Brooklyn. And, mm-hmm. and my wife taught in Brooklyn for 20 years before she procured jobs here in Lakewood, Baruch Hashem. But wow, it's like, she traveled all the time. Yeah, she traveled all the time. Obviously, as, yeah. the, family, as the family Baruch Hashem grew, um, we decided then, like, that's it. Now it's time to find the job in Lakewood. But, mm-hmm. but um, you know, like, you have a woman that comes in the car and says, Gosh, it's such a hard night. Bell kept me up, and 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 Schmel was dancing, and and Chaim was doing this and this, and like my wife is, you know, it shouldn't say anything. It was like, yeah, I really feel your pain. You know, that's so sad that you couldn't put your kids to sleep at night. So then again, it, it, it's it, it, people people don't really mean to do harm to others. It's just it is what it is, you know. But uh, and people so, are so involved in themselves that they don't even realize that there are other people out there that are struggling. It, it happens, yeah. It happens. You know? it happens. So, it's... did you ever feel like you dove in so much and you were doing such good in the world? You were learning, and your wife was, you know, being most nefesh took for her to work, that's, for her that's to a great learn. And did you feel like maybe your feelings weren't getting answered? Like, how did you keep your absolutely and, not and Muna? Absolutely, absolutely not, because there's no such a thing as a tefillah that goes to waste. There's no such a thing. And obviously, you know, we were working in our Muda Vitachin, you know, you know, it's funny to segue into something else, which not we're going to discuss right now, but the Muda and Vitachin, I, I want to tell you and tell all your listeners, if there's one thing that we have to be working on, especially today's day and age, mm-hmm. and if there's anything that the past 10 months has taught us, is that there's one in charge. There's one individual in charge. Because mm-hmm. looking what we've been through, you, you can't make it up. And again, I, again, I know this is not the topic of the discussion, but you have to understand something that were we to discuss the virus just for a moment, again, this is not the topic really, but it's, I think it's very important to know if a person is going to get it, when they're going to get it, how they're going to get it, where they're going to get it, how long they're going to get it. If that, it's unbelievable. There, the, yeah. This was a such a God-designed 
disease, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Look, right. my, son, my son had it last year, Purim. My whole friend, the rest of my family didn't have it till two weeks before Rosh Hashanah. Wow. I, I have no idea if I had it or not. Wow. So it's, so it's for it, sure. It, it, yeah, so, but, but forget it, putting that aside, the idea I'm trying to stress is that if there's one thing that gets us through our challenges, no matter what they are, it's realizing that we have a God above that loves us. He will take care of us. And the more we understand and thank Hashem and realize that the truth is as difficult as things are, but if we, we, we have so much more to be thankful of that, that, and that we have so much, we have so much more than that, which we don't, it will shock you. I, I just, I'll just give an example. I'm sitting over here in my friend's office. There's a fan, electricity, books, windows, a computer screen, paper, a chair. Who provided this to us? Do you ever think for a second that maybe Hashem? No, it was the guy. It was a guy named Mr. Table that invented the table, or Mr. Chair that invented the chair. No, every single things as simple as that. A pen, a pen. Who invented the? Who gave that to us? Wow. We we we, we take things in life. We take things for granted. So much of what we have, we take for granted. And we have to realize that if we focus on that and use that as a springboard to thank Hashem, when we thank, by the way, you should just know that it is mentioned in a lot of the books in the Sfarim, mm -hmm. that the more we thank, the more we get from Hashem. And it's a very simple thing. That. It's a very simple reason. I'll tell you very simply why. Because Hashem sees that you appreciate that I'm giving you something. If I borrow money from somebody, and mm -hmm. I thank him uh, uh, over effusive. I'm over effusive in my prayer and my thanks. Mm -hmm. And hey, you know, he really appreciates that. I'll be more than willing to give it to him again if he needs another loan. Right. Our, father in, our father in heaven is any different? Of course not. So getting back to the actual challenge that we went through, listen, obviously challenges are challenges. Are challenges. Like there's so many challenges in life, you know. Um, but you focus on that and realize that Hashem really has this. And we're... We're living in Hashem's world. Did you, I, I need to ask you this because I just <laughs> yes. need to know the answer. Did you always sure. have this kind of a Muna when you were going through the struggle? I understand that looking back now, years later, once you have children and you know, you look back and you're like, yeah, Amuna, Amuna. When you're inside a struggle, it's so much harder to feel that way. Obviously, now that you're outside, of course, you're Amuna and everything. But I want to know how it was when you could not have kids for those six years, you really always believed this is Hashem's world. This is Hashem's plan. And you weren't put down. Like you didn't feel sad. Like how, how is that possible? That's a, that is a, that is a phenomenal, great, that is a great question. And I will tell you the truth that to a certain degree, it's almost hard to answer that question because over the past many months, I've been working so hard in this particular area. Um, I, I remember my father of blessed memory telling us many times, he says, Yaakov he says, you're going to see, you're going to have children one day. And then it's going to all be like just a bad dream and, and, and so on. You have to understand something that Amuna and Betofen, having faith, trust, however we understand, you know, they're just words. You know, English or any, any language does a very big disservice to what the Hebrew words really mean. But mm -hmm. Amuna is sort of the practice of having faith and Betofen. Amuna is, the, is, is learning about it. Faith and, and, and the Betachar is actually putting into practice. That's really what it is. But what I want to bring out is that, you know, in, in the Torah, it says that it's when the Jews were about to cross the splitting, this cross the Sea of Reeds, when they witnessed that 
tremendous miracle as the sea the sea split. You try saying sea split fast as the sea split before them. Um, it says by Yeminu Hashem of Moshe Abdo, they believed in Hashem and Moshe his servant. Three or four days later, they're already complaining that they don't have any water. You, you, wait, wait, hold on a second. You just saw the greatest miracle possible, the splitting of the sea, and then you're complaining that you worried Hashem's not going to give you water. What I'm trying to bring out is that Amun and Betachon is a lifelong process. And then you have ups and downs. It's human nature. Just the key is don't lose sight of the big picture. Don't lose sight of the picture. You're going to have ups and downs. Things are going to happen. But don't lose sight of the big picture. Of course I had bad days. Of course I was angry. Of course I was sad. How dare my wife's friend not tell her? Or I can't remember this. A friend of my wife told her that she was expecting the chutzpah that she even told her. How could you mention that to somebody? But there's nothing, on the contrary, I felt that the truth is that's, that's not the right attitude. Like, well, well, she shouldn't say anything. I think it was but correct. Your, your wife was in tremendous pain, for sure. There was, you know, there were moments. Was, but, you know, it, ta- it takes two to tango. And Berkshire, my wife and I, we really complimented each other. I feel like if one was down, the other was up. The other was down, the other one. Meaning, mm-hmm. and that's what we gave each other tremendous chizik. You know, chizik, brachas for many, many people, Baruch Hashem. And that's the way it goes. It wasn't like that, that there was any personal issue. She, she was just upset that at that point we still hadn't, uh, you know, we hadn't had any, any children. But I, 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 I want to I wanna fast forward, if I may, unless you want to take the lead from here. But I would like to fast forward, if I can. I just um, want to ask you another question. Sure, please, sure. Do, um, did you ever tell your children the struggle you had with having kids or your kids do not know anything? No, no, they know. They know. I mean, you know, because I'll tell you the truth. I think they, they've heard it from other people that have struggled, that have come to our doors. and mm-hmm. Our children know that. I mean, I'll be the first to tell you. And you talk about being very vulnerable. I will tell you that when... and. and the funny thing is that my, my, my kids were laughing about this the other day. I had gone out to Davin Mincha or Meyer, I forgot what it was, and my oldest daughter, she's kind of hard, she's 17, she says, uh, she tells me, Tati says, you know, mommy just told us that after every single kid was born, you, there, were, there was more than one person in the room crying. And I'm like, I'm not embarrassed about it. I mean, it's the truth because it was, mm-hmm. it, you know, Baruch Hashem, we, we married to have six beautiful children. And... Um, and each one is a blessing from Hashem, and um, and uh, you know that the, at that moment of joy, uh, it was it was you know tears of joy. I mean, without you know right. without a doubt, we don't we don't get into the gory details of them because there's no point to doing that. But they understand; right. they know that we waited. You know, um, we we yeah. we've avail, we've availed of ourselves, my wife and I. Whoever finds themselves in, in this situation, we try to do whatever we can. Um, and, and I'm very true. happy we're talking about this because there are so many people across the globe who are struggling yes. with having kids and different things. Right. And I'm happy that we're able to bring it to attention that after six years of you waiting, you have six kids. It gives yeah. hope. And it shows that there is, you know, light at the end of this dark tunnel. There is. I mean, listen, I, can't, I, I can only say this. And again, I can't get too much into detail. There are varying degrees of, of, of how severe it is. And I will say that others do have it much more of uh, the... the the situations that some couples find themselves in is much more trying that than what we had. And what, once we had a game plan, we had a game plan, Baruch Hashem. There are other more severe, severe you know, situations and, and so on. And yeah, there is Continue. no one. It's not, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a cookie cutting type of thing, because then in this in this area, there's a lot to be discussed. And uh, but but one thing one thing I find is what's amazing about 
definitely about the Jewish people in general is that no matter what situation a person finds themselves in, there is a friend, there is a family, there is an organization that mm-hmm. is there to help you. It doesn't yeah. make a difference. It's, it's unbelievable. From literally from life to death, God forbid, there is, and no matter what situation, there are free loan societies, organizations to help with infertility, organizations to help you try to find people, shidduchim, people to mm-hmm. find clothing, food, it's it's it, anything. I mean, and that's just, I mean, I, that, that's just, that's so petty just to name those few because there's so many out there. So Very many. We're in, it, we're in it together in so many areas of life. I mean, you know, my, like I mentioned before, my father passed away seven and a half years ago. My, my, one of my heroes, or the, the, one of the organizations, the greatest hero, are, are hero, my, my heroes in this and that in, in, in terms of death is Miss Askin, for example. I mean, just, and again, and this is not the God forbid, no, I, I'm not pointing out one as opposed to the other. That's not what I'm doing here. Okay. Miss Askin, they come in like, before you're, before my father's buried already, you, you're, you know that at home, Miss Askin is setting everything up, making sure they have everything in place for you. That's just one example of so many. The point is not to name all the Chesed organizations out there because we know how many are out there. Right. Uh, but but, but as we're talking about in terms of infertility, you know, the two organizations that come to mind, which, you know, is definitely without a question, is A-Time and, and Boniola. Two organizations who are amazing in their own right that have done so much for these families. So these couples waiting for their first child that it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's, it is unbelievable. Now, before we get to the to asking you the question of how you fit into the mantra of the show, I do want you to talk about how it was having your first child after waiting six years. What did you feel like when your wife gave birth and to take your child home? It was 1014 on a Friday night. See, I remember the time, 1014 on a Friday night. Yeah. It's impossible to describe it. As a friend of mine described it, when I, when I came back to Yeshiva, the, the shop, my son, our oldest was born on, on the Friday night, and I came back to Yeshiva. Was there Sunday morning? Or I think it was Sunday morning. So a friend of mine, he said, Yaakov, he said, your face looks like a, a, a thousand watt bulb. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> it was the, the feeling, of the, the euphoria is, is not to be believed. It's, it's something amazing. You, you feel such thanks to Hashem and you just, the, the, you can't, you can't even put it in writing. You can't put it in writing. It's just unbelievable. No, I'm sure unbelievable. Wow. I can't, I can't even imagine just being in that hospital room, you know, with you oh, and your wife. Great. But, 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 you know, it's even funny, not funny, but it, it happened on Shabbos on Friday night. Wow. And I couldn't call up anybody. <laughs> no way. Oh my Shabbos. God. It was Shabbos. How was it being in the, in the Lakewood, um, you know, in, what is it called? The base Medrash. And you're saying Mazel Tov, like everybody's saying Mazel Tov. Yes, finally, finally, you're the guy that's getting the Mazel Tov. It's, it's, it's an amazing feeling. It's a really amazing wow. feeling. I, so I, give a, I give a bracha to every person that's waiting for their simcha, that whether it's a child, whether it's a shidduch, that they should merit to see, to feel that moment of euphoria when it happens speed, uh, very soon. It's, it's, it's really amazing. Amen. Hashem to everybody soon. Now, I got to ask you, the entire mantra of this show is, it's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. So how did this whole experience, how did this struggle, this really, really hard, hard challenge you know, make a difference for you in your life? And how did you use it to, you know, make a difference in others' lives? Well, you want to hear something, you know, funny or, or maybe not so funny. 
I should be funny because I suppose I do have a sense of humor, and it hasn't been so it hasn't been very humorous the past half an hour. It's been very very somber, but no. But 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 the truth is that obviously I'm a voiceover, and I think that let's discuss that for a second and segue into this idea here. I think that would be very interesting how that works out. So how did I become a voiceover? Yeah. So I was doing work for Lakewood's Curative Organization, Project Gesher Lakewood Links. Mm-hmm. Um, what year was that? 97, 98? I, I forget already. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And um, the office of Lakewood Links Project Gesher, they got a phone call one day. Uh, are you that? Is there anyone that works for your organization that you could recommend that would be good for doing the intros for various segments of Chazaka, the Chavetz Chaim, did I say Chavetz Chaim Heritage Foundation? Chavetz Chaim. Okay, Chavetz Chaim Heritage Foundation called up the office. They needed someone that would do the intros for their five-minute snippets of Divrei Chizuk that they had in the Chazak hotline. Mm-hmm. So one of the secretaries over there somehow threw out my name. I don't know if it was the deep voice. I have no idea what did it. She recommended that I do it. Now, it, basically, it started off with that. It was... Today's segment. Well, well, listen, I don't know, like, yeah, but you do, you do a great job. You know, oh, um, you just put, you. You, you just put me out of business. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's I forgot exactly how it started, but basically it was, it was very repetitive. It was the same thing as like, um, in today's segment we will be discussing a rabbi or rabbits and so on, or or yesterday's segment was discussing this or this topic. In today's segment, rabbi or rabbits and so on. We'll continue on that theme and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I did like tons of this over and over and over again. That was my first stint with voiceovers. And I saw that I, you know, I, I had something, there was something there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually with the blessing of my Rosh Hashiva, I decided to take it up a notch and then to go into the voiceover industry to take lessons for radio and commercial. Oh, cool. So I, I think it was my wife that actually did the research for me, and she came up with the name of a company of a, of a voiceover teacher in the city of Manhattan. Okay. And the way it works is that you you go down to the to the teacher studio for a consult, and they provide you to give you a few papers of real narrations, real commercials or stuff that have been played on radio on television. They have you do a read, so they can feel you out to see if you have what it takes. I mean, if you sound like this, I. It could be you make a you make a good Barney, but it doesn't mean that you make a good voiceover. We'll get into voices. We'll get into voices later, perhaps. At any rate, um, so the teacher saw that I have what it takes, and you know there there are different packages that you can do. The eight lessons, ten lessons, twelve lessons, whatever it is. I didn't have to take many lessons to get where I had to go. Now, when I say where you have to go, typically one of the first, or you know, after you do the eight, ten, twelve lessons. And they help you tweak. And there are various, there are many styles. You know, you, you turn on the radio, you hear many, many styles of voiceovers, different products, different strokes, different folks, different commercials for different products. You know, uh, you, you know. So, so um, the most important thing, and what what leads up the, those lessons lead up to what's to the demo. The demo in the voiceover industry is probably the most important tool that you have, because that's your business. That's your business card. Okay. Now, I, I'll be honest. I, the truth is that over the years, I've never really upgraded my demo so much because what I do is a lot of the recordings are on my phone. So, you know, even though people give out as a, as a, as a business card, they'll give out like demos. If they're meeting people throughout their, 
their career. They'll give a voiceover demos to different people. And you're always upgrading it and adding new stuff and so on and so forth. So for me, basically what people like to hear that where I'm at, I was doing this for close to 20 years. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll send out different recordings of institutions or stuff that I've done. I'll send it out to them via WhatsApp or email right. so on and so forth. But at the time when I, when I started doing it, and by the way, I, I, I do want to mention that it was at this point I started going for voiceover lessons. We already, we, we already, we merited already having our first son in 2000, mm-hmm. and our daughter was born in 2003. So I, I forgot, I think it was, I think it was around the year 2000. Actually, I think it was before my daughter was born, our oldest daughter was born, that I started getting into the voiceover industry. Be that as it may, so, so I had my demo. My first demo was two minutes, 20 seconds. You know, that demo, demo was anything on there from the BMW 5 Series, the ultimate driving machine, to it's snowing on Monday, raining on Tuesday, I gotta get away. Paul's pranks, uh, we got a delivery for you here. We got uh, two pounds of quicksand and a uh, bag of cement and some fake noses. I didn't order any of that. What's that all about? You know, I mean, I don't know. Just that, that just, just, I'm just, I'm just quoting, you know, my, uh, I'm just, I'm just saying over stuff from my demo, just uh, mm-hmm. repeating my, I'm repeating myself from my demo that is. Um, and, and you send it out. And then what happens, you, you have your demo and then you send what you're supposed to. Now, again, just the, to clarify something in terms of the voiceover industry, there's always room for growth. It's funny, just yesterday I was looking at a clip from a voiceover and he said, I, I, I never feel like, I forgot exa- the exact words that he said, but there was something like, I'm, I'm always a student of, of the voiceover industry, even though he's been doing it for many years, because the point is, meaning to say you can always learn. There's always room for improvement. I always try to improve on this. It happens to be that doing so much work as I've done for so many firm institutions, there's a typical style of voiceover that they're looking for. So it's, you know, it's, it's, so I don't really have to deviate too much from it, but I'm always looking to hear other people. And, and, you know, you turn on the radio, you watch a clip of how people do advertisements. It's you, you understand where they're coming from much better, especially because, you know, you, you know, being a voiceover, you have to remember something that when you're selling a product and you're on the radio, you you have to you have to envision your audience sitting right in front of you and you're selling them something, right? So like if I'm not if I'm not talking to anybody, you know, I've actually done this with people where I where I, I try to help people who want to get into the voiceover industry. So mm-hmm. I'll 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 you know be talking with them and then I'll say you know can you hold on one second, yeah hi Glory, what? He did what again? <laughs> okay, listen to me. Tell the Rebbe. No, this is not the first time we've done this. He had no right throwing a spitball at the red. The red, the red before spitball at Yanko? Okay. I'm, as soon as I hang up, I'm, what, what did I just do right now? I just you broke just out into a picture. I just acted that right. So that's, right. that's really voiceover, voice, voice acting. That's really what it is. Um, at any rate, so I sent out the demo. I know I'm sorry, I'm jumping all over the place here, but I sent out my first demo to about 10, 10 people. And the first guy that picked it up, uh, picked up the demo and started hiring, hiring me for jobs. This is a fellow named Chaim Rosen of Chaim Video. At the time, Chaim Video. Okay. He's a very sought-after videographer here in Lakewood. And and this is this is where it gets interesting. How we sort of go, how the voiceover industry and the situation of infertility, how sort of they met. I mean, was that point at this point? You know, like I mentioned, that uh, Baksham, we already had our, our first child. 
-hmm. uh, what was interesting about it is that the the first real video that I narrated was for Bunny Island. Wow. So now it's just now Bunny Island. They they began in Brooklyn. Uh, they opened up their chapter in Lakewood like about 20, 20 some years ago. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, I, I, I do want to say something interesting just for the record that um, although I volunteer a tremendous amount for them, but Baruch Hashem, because we had other resources, we never had to come on to the assistance provided by Bani Island. Nevertheless, understanding, like I mentioned earlier, what such great organizations such as A-Time and Bani Island, what they do to help. So I was very sensitive to that. And as soon as I heard that Bani Island was opening something in, in Lakewood, and they had their first parlor meeting, I immediately jumped on board and I've never looked back since. I mean, it's a, it's a volunteer basis and I try to help out, I try to help with, ever, you know, with them with whatever I can. So it it's amazing that your worlds collided. Like it's amazing oh, yeah. that you had the struggle and then your first job was with this organization who deals with infertility. That's right. What was also great about it is that the voiceover for me was something very personal. So it was, it was almost like a real voiceover and I've done, for Bunny Idol, I've done many voiceovers for them. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of acting gigs for them in that when when the the, the videos that came out many years ago, um, the first videos when the, for Bunny Island here in Lakewood and obviously and for beyond. So they would, uh, the visual would be of a couple waiting for a child. And then as Amir said, and, and then as things progress, you know, Bunny Island's involvement. And then obviously the videos end with the beautiful, a, a beautiful uh, newborn baby coming onto the screen yeah. and so on and so forth. So for me, the voiceover was very, very easy to do, so to speak, because I was really able to put myself into, into, the, into the, 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 the various segments of the script was easy for me to work with because, you know, we went from the, the sad part of waiting or, or the, not say the sad part, the, the tough part, the trials, the tribulations, waiting, and then finally being able Finally, being able to be Zoha to have our, you know, our first child. Um, so you did the so, voiceover part and the acting, or just the voiceover? Yes, I, I, I have done for 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 Bunny Island. I've done at least acting in two of their videos, and must have narrated at least three of their videos for sure. So was your for real sure. child in that first video that you did when you were, you know, the first one that you said you're waiting for a child, then you had a child? So it, it's interesting. So it, I, now that now that I remember. Um, so I had mentioned this to you, remember earlier, but now that it comes to mind, I think that in the videos that I narrated and acted in, mm -hmm. so I don't think my kids were in that one, but I remember now that Ari Goldwag made a special song for By the Island a few years ago. Okay. And in the video, I was the actor, not the narrator. It was the actor, not the narrator, but Towards the end, it was. A, I remember the part snippets of the video where I'm putting on my kittle before Yom Kippur, and you know, there's only two candles and different scenes that we filmed throughout Lakewood of like me standing by one of the parks here in Lakewood, um, mm -hmm. you know, just like you know, looking uh, sad, forlorn, solemn, you know, you know, as you know, thinking like, when am I going to have kids? And then as the the music video, you know, comes to uh, to to towards the end. And obviously, there's a much more of a um, happier, the, the happier thing, a happier end. Yeah. A, I can't get the word of it. Happy, happy. I always have a hard time getting that word in my head. Have a ending on a happier, uh, happier note. So we actually videoed two of my youngest kids running across 
in front of the video. And, wow. and when, when they actually showed the video at, at the, the Bunny Island dinner that year, I actually got choked up with emotion watching it. It was almost as though I was like removed, just, just like uh, not a bystander, but uh, I was an audience mm-hmm. watching this guy having gone through those struggles and then yeah. he finally having a child. And, and when all it really, it was really me, it was my, my story. You know, so it's incredible but, to hear your story and that you literally went to do voiceovers and acting, and, yeah. you know, for Boney Olam because it's as if Hashem put you in that situation because he knew you had the talent and he knew that you were going to be able to uplift and bring hope to so many other people struggling. So I, mean, I could be totally wrong. I, I really want to know your opinion, but I feel a little as if Hashem put you specifically given Hashem could have given you any struggle and Hashem specifically gave you this struggle specifically so that. He can he can use your talents and use you and it will be so much more personal. Imagine you didn't have this struggle. Imagine Hashem gave you something else and you still were going to go record for Bone Olam and do their voiceovers, but you weren't going to be able to put your whole self into it as much as you wanted to. But you you can't That's, feel yeah. what a struggling parent is feeling if they don't have if they don't have kids. Hashem right. gave you the struggle and now you're using your talents and your struggle to literally bring hope to these parents and help yeah, them. Yeah, I, I can, I definitely, I definitely hear that point. I mean, I tell you the truth, it's not, it, technically speaking, it could be they could have found another voice actor and have been really this and that, because obviously that's what actors do. But, mm-hmm. but like you said, I think that Hashem gave me that opportunity that here I was starting out on a new, not a mission, but, you know, starting out something new, doing voiceovers. And, and on the contrary, that Hashem gave me the opportunity, like you said, that through my struggle, not only just to be able to help out other people that, and, and, and with the right emotion and the right diction and, and even on the film to be able to put all that emotion in it, mm-hmm. even for myself, that it really became, it, it, believe it or not, I, I firmly believe that the, the, where, where voice, the voiceovers began and meeting, I mean, at that meeting point between Buddy Oilem and the voiceover and my, the, 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 the beginning of my career in voiceovers, Mm-hmm. that really propelled me further because the people saw the video I they said hey there's a guy here in town who does voiceovers looks pretty good and and uh and that was that was really the beginning of my voiceover career did you honest. ever say in those videos that you really struggled with having kids or you left that out you just were no, a that, voice that, actor yeah that's just that was just a voice actor yeah that's, I mean I feel like people, it would be so <clears throat> impactful if you would have said oh i went through the struggle yeah but you know but you but you got to do what the client wants right but the truth is though but but many times afterward i i i i'm not i try i mentioned this earlier i I try not to make too much of a deal with it in terms of definitely when my children over there because i I need to stigmatize them oh my tati and mommy are like whatever but but if there's any way that my wife and i can help people that have struggled with this then that's what we're that's what we're here for, and and I, and I told people that have watched the videos, and like I said, I must have done three three videos at least for Bunny Elam, wow. that I, I'm not embarrassed to do it because anything that I could do to help people in the situation, I will. Add add to that the fact that Baruch Hashem, I have this talent of being a voiceover that will you know just adds to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know Baruch Hashem, that worked out pretty nice. So that's how you would say it's that you you your literal struggles that you know in your life. Um, apply to the mantra of it's what you do it's what you have that makes a difference which is the entire it, theme of this show it's 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 i i find it amazing how those two things mesh that here i am where hashem gave me this tap it's almost i'm not sure which one brought up the best and the other did bunny island bring up the best and the voiceover did the voiceover bring the best and bunny island i mean that somehow they mesh together where 
where it's almost like the struggle that I went through gave me the impetus to put so much into my voiceover career job mm-hmm. to really put it with such emotion that it, it and, and then, you know, and the voiceover is all about different emotion and so on and so forth that they sort of complemented each other to us in, yeah. in a certain way, you know? Uh, but really yeah, but incredible. Was able, yeah, I was able to take that talent and put it there and I'm where I am today. Amazing. I, I'm really, I'm mind boggled from your whole story. It's really incredible. Now, Let's get into voiceovers. I have so many questions. Sure, go ahead. The first thing I want to ask you is how many voices can you actually do? This is a very, very important thing to discuss, and I'll tell you why. Voiceovers is not necessarily about the voices. That There's voice animation uh, and there's doing voice acting. You have to remember, like, when I, like when, I, when I was going through my demo with you, some of the snippets before, you have to remember there's the trailer voice in a world filled with knishes only one bottle of mustard will be used i just made it up i don't even know why i said that it's just so weird but then you have that's why i'm very hungry i'm starved but then you have but but then you have people that are they're confused what am i doing with myself why why am i here then wow i am so thirsty oh my gosh it's raining again i can't believe it the egg is warm you understand? So I just gave you in one sec, one minute, half a minute, very different emotions. That's not vo- that's me being my voice, doing different styles of what my emotions are. Right. Happy, sad. Hmm. Thinking. Right. Same voice. It's different emotions. Right. To, that, that right now. There's another industry which I'm saying I'm not I, as much as I would I'd love to be involved. And then there's the sound. There's the voices where you're either coming up with your own characters mm-hmm. or you can imitate other people or imitate other characters. Now, I will tell you that in one of my lessons that I took for voiceovers, so I, I had asked my teacher about animation and so on. So she says, "Here, yeah, look at this picture here. It was a picture of Herman, Herman in one of the comic strips. Herman has a very long face. She mm-hmm. says to me, look at this picture and what would it sound, what would he sound like to you? That's how you come up with the voice. What I'm trying to bring out is that, in, so again, there, there are a couple of things. Number one, there's just regular voiceover acting where you're selling a product and there are different emotions that you put into it and so on. Mm-hmm. Then there's actually characters. Okay. Now in character, voice characters, there's imitating other people. There's like, Dr. Needles, where I'm imitating Snoopy. I'm Shalupi Shapiro. Where again, it, it's not my. I'm. I'm just imitating. You do that I'm very doing. well. Are you him? No, I wish I was. Not Shalupi, but and then there's Dizzy and there's Quick Shalupi. Get the music machine. We have to see these people. So th- that's just me because I have a good ear, so I can listen to a character. But it's that see. That's not my character. That's A.B. Rottenberg's character. Right. Imitate me uh, if you can. Let me see what you can do. Okay, my name is Malia, and I have new swag. Of course, I can't. That is me. not me at all. Of course, it's not you because it's very hard. No, for 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 a male to imitate the uh, a female. You know, it's uh, yeah. I, I I would have to work on that, but I don't. Th- I mean, you could do things like. I have my new swag, it's, but that's that's just me as a man being feminine, which is weird. Right, so I don't right. Know. no, 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 yeah. That's not we're looking, that's not what it is, right? So, right. you know, you, you have to, the, today, even if I could, you know, sound like so many of the other people, like I could sound like a tough guy, or maybe I could even sound like, yeah, Bugs Buggy, Bugs Bunny, 
right? That's okay. So those are voices that are popular out there, but they're not my, they're not my voices. I mean, right. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's not a talent. I mean, right. you can go out there and throw these things out, and I've done this for people. And you know, like uh, one of my favorite moments is actually when I when I I went to visit my mother in Muncie um, a few weeks ago. She didn't know mm-hmm. I was going to be. She didn't know I was going to be there. So I knock on the door, and my mother said, "Who's there?" Yeah, I'm Kevin from you have 18 children. I have 18 children. I have to marry you for 10 of them right now, please. And I must said, I'm sorry, I can't help you right now. I'm truly, I understand. Even if you give me a dollar, a few more dollars, it's good. Anything, please help me out. Wow. And then, I, then I dropped it on my mother. Mommy, it's me. You can open the door. <laughs> you know. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, today, you have, you have people in the voice character industry. Right. That have made... Okay. Like that, that have done 300 to 500 of their own voices. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I'm there yet. I, I will tell you that that when if I'm driving and all of a sudden a crazy voice pops into my head, I'll quickly mm-hmm. hit the, re- the record button and put it down as that'll be my template. If I have to, you know, draw on that at any other time, I'll do that. You mm-hmm. know, so two things is it a kunst, as we say in Yiddish? Is it a talent to be able to imitate a famous voice, uh, a politician, a Rebbe, a teacher? a character it is but i can't call it my own per se simply because i didn't develop that thing again not to take away from anyone that could do it because it's a tremendous town today the truth is that there are so many characters out there that if i try to do something myself some of them say oh i know that already that's scooby dooby doo which don't even ask me to do because i can't okay i can't i can't do scooby doo oh my gosh I, let I me ask you this question yeah. let me ask you this question which voice would you say i know it's not now it's not a voice i guess which emotion is the hardest for you to do which emotion is hard for me to do like is it hard for you to cry is it hard for you to be super excited is it hard for you to be scared is it hard you know, for you, you to be nervous and worried no, nervous and worried is by me a second nature because I'm a nervous person. So I, I, I could very, it's not a question. I, that's, that's, that comes very easy. Did you Are hear you that? Putting, no, you're very nervous. You're just acting funny. Did, did, you, did you hear that? No, you're just trying to be funny for the video. No, I'm trying to be nervous for the video. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was very good. So you would say that you, which, which emotion would you say is the hardest for you then? So, you know, it's interesting, maybe being sad, I'm not sure, uh, it could be. And one of the things, it sort of rubs me the wrong way to a certain degree is people who are acting, especially being sad when they're not. And I'll tell you why. Because the truth is, there are a few ways that they do this in, in that industry. They actually, some people find it hard to cry, so they put drops in. It makes right. it, you know. But what bothers me is the people that are able to cry. I want to say, I want to say bother me because... There's a friend of mine that's listening to now. He's going to be upset about this because he actually could cry literally on, on the spot. He, ha- he has that thing. A lot of times actors will think in their mind of a, a loved one that they lost to get them into that moment. Mm. There was a famous, there was a famous Russia Shiva that lost a grandchild. And within the, like 24 hours later or something, he lost a friend. And he was asked to eulogize and he didn't want to because he was afraid that when people saw him break down and start crying at his friend's funeral, it's, it's not the real emotion. The emotion is really from, excuse me, from the grandchild that he lost earlier. Oi. So, so I don't, 
That's right. he, he didn't even eulogize his friend. He felt that it wasn't Emmett. It wasn't, you know. The truth is, the truth is, though, we we we're all voice actors, so you know, you're selling the product, which you may not. But I don't know if it's I don't know if it's really I don't know if it's really a contradiction. Meaning to say that when you get yourself as an actor and you start crying because you're thinking about your father that or my father died seven and a half years ago, it's almost like it's not real. So I'm using my father's death to use it so I can shed a tear. Uh, it doesn't sit that well with me. It doesn't sit I, well, right. I hear I hear that. Yeah, yeah, I no, but, but but um but then again, if we're acting, then you know, then why act if it's not real, right? But I think right. I think I think it's a little different because when you know something is fiction, it's fiction. I mean, you say like uh uh, when you know that you're acting and, and, and it's fiction anyways, but if I'm really selling a product and I have to sound sad for it, then you're really trying to sell something. Mm-hmm. Like 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 in the in the example I gave of the Rosh Hashiba saying it, that was that's a real scenario right. where he may be doing something or his emotions are something that's really not for this individual. So but I I'm sounding too I'm getting too deep over here and I, I don't like doing deep stuff. So I mean let me get back <laughs> out of the pool. Let me get back out you're of the like, pool. Okay, I'll ask you the next question I have for you is have you tried to get onto TV with commercials? And if not, if you only stick with the Jewish world, why don't you try to go to TV? So it's a, it's a good question. And the, the simple answer simply is, when you say TV, you don't actually mean acting as much as it's just commercials. You mean commercials, commercials. voiceovers, radio, non-Jewish radio. Just yeah, no, I, I have no anathema to it whatsoever. Um, First of all, because I do work full time for a, a charity organization, so that really, really takes up my time. Um, I have the flexibility to be able to do these smaller voiceovers. Is it something that I would pursue? Most definitely. Um, I, to be honest, I don't want to get too much into the entertainment industry because it's not that it's a real entertainment industry. I don't want to get too lost in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for, for no reason other than the fact that I'm pretty busy as it is. That's the only reason why I haven't pursued it further. You know, my, in other words, if so I so well on TV, it's such a good yeah, voiceover. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the voiceover industry is a pretty is a pretty packed profession, and there's a lot of people in the industry. Yeah. Um, it's worked for me well, Bakshim, in the front world because, like, I'll, I'll tell you that it's you know, even though I mentioned that I acted on the Bunyola videos, but that acting wasn't really acting in terms of actual dialogue or monologue that was just visuals because uh, i was doing i was doing the narrating so okay. i was narrating what you were seeing on the screen right right so there's the acting and and, and the narrator is bringing out the emotions that's going to the individual that you're seeing on the screen which some mm-hmm. of them just happen to be me but right. but i have actually acted in videos i was in a few a couple of years in the hubbard heritage foundation to make a tissue bow video Mm-hmm. Acted in a few of those videos. This all, yeah. all came about through the voiceovers, by the way. Um, I also, awesome. And there's I not acted, that many people. There's not that many religious Jews who do voiceovers, right? Not that many. There, there are a few of them, and and they're all very talented in their own right. Yeah. Uh, but there aren't that many in the. I mean, hard to come by a voiceover that doesn't have a problem pronouncing "chayim," right? Or any Jewish word for that matter. And a lot of times, you'll hear the 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 the, the Jewish organizations that. The, it's these institutions that do hire uh, non-Jewish voiceovers, but the words would be simple enough that they could right. pronounce it. Like, what, like yeah. one thing's for certain, that bakery at 13th Avenue is not selling any challah. Because right. if the guy had to sell challah, he's going to be the challah and bukalach. Forget about it. You know, so let me so. ask you this question. If you could be on TV, right? If you would be on TV acting out any, any part, 
what would that be? You mean in terms of a commercial or an actual act? In terms of a commercial, using your voice, using your talents, what would you, what would be your favorite job that you want to do? What would be the, what's your dream gig basically in the voiceover wow. industry, in the world? That's a tricky question. I know it was one of the questions I was supposed to prepare an answer for. And I thought that by the time we get through the show, I would have had an answer, but uh, I'm still stuck on that one. I don't know. No I, idea? You know, you know what's funny? What's funny is that the past couple of films that I've actually acted in, is, and I, I mentioned this to you in passing the other day, there was, there's two films that we did, and I did. Last year, we put out a film called The Skull of a Genius, produced by Barth Perlowitz, where that yeah. itself, but it was interesting how I got to that, how I got to that gig. And we just finished filming about six weeks ago, another film called Desperate Measures, which is also going to be a very, 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 actually spoke to the editor today. It's going to be a, it's going to be a great film. Right. And in, in, in both of these films, I played a very bad person. I... I mean, that's just the way I ended up. What am I supposed to do? I, it's not... I just, after that, as an actor, I just act someone that I'm not. So really, I'm a good guy. I just ha I have, I have to get the bad. My my alter ego was just plotting to get out of my system. So, in both cases, they were like that. But it, it, in terms of acting, somebody, I probably want to be someone like I want to be a superhero from the fifties, Superman, Batman. Oh, that's a good. Sure. That's a good one. And also, can you share while you know you're in this voiceover industry and yes. using your talents as acting? Can you share something hilarious that has happened while you were at work? Um, God, I've been doing this kind of so many years. I, I I will tell you something that actually interesting happened. I wouldn't say it was actually at work, but it, it you know one of the things one of the voiceover stuff that I do is that. Um, I record you know, these infoline messages. Let's say, for example, here in Lakewood, you know, every other night, if not every night, you get phone calls from organizations, they're raising money, they're trying to bring awareness to a certain yes. issue in the, in, in the community, that type of thing. So it was a long day and I get home and the phone rings. I pick up the phone and I hear, hello, I'm calling on behalf and I slam the phone down. Yeah. And I stop for a second, I say, I don't believe it. I just hung up on myself. No way. <laughs> that was me. Yeah, I was. I was. I had done something for an organization. Hello, I'm calling on behalf of this and this organization. They really, really need your help for only ten thousand dollars. Whatever it was, I said, and like you know, click. Um, it, it, you know, I tell you something again. I don't know if I would call it funny or not, but a few years ago, I was doing a job um, for raising money for. Chaim Kanievsky Shlita for his son of Shlomo Kanievsky. He runs a yeshiva. He has a, a he has a, a large yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, and he came to America to collect money. So I was Baruch Hashem. I was hired to do the narration for videos. Video they were doing to they were showing around various communities. They're raising money for him. So the videographer at the time was Moshe Schindler from Mint Media, who's very very big in Lakewood and, and points mm -hmm. beyond. And uh, so Moshe Schindler. He took the half a minute clip of me doing this very serious. Rabbi Kanievsky really needs help for his yeshiva, Tveris Tzioin. And with your help, again, I'm just, whatever the wording was. It was a half a minute clip. Okay. I get a phone call about, I don't know, a week or two later from Baruch Perlowitz, who I mentioned earlier. He was the producer of the video that we did last year, The Skull of the Genius, and this video we did this year. And he says, Yaakov, let me ask you something. Have you done any real acting? And I'm like, 
Not really, but I would love to. I mean, I did like the Chavetz Chaim Heritage Foundation, the videos that were made for the kids for Tisha B'Av. So they, that was real, there was real dialogue. There was real acting then. Okay. But in a full feature length film, so to speak, I'd never done that before. He said, I have a, I'm looking for a character and I think you'd be great for it. He said, okay, what's the character? His character's name is Borsa and he's a real evil guy. I'm like, okay, ho hold on a minute. You, you, for, how did you get to me? So I, I saw Moshe Schindler posted on his status that half a minute clip of you doing that sales pitch for Shlomo Kanievsky, and I thought you make the perfect guy. I said, how in the world, how in the world did you see, Baruch, I asked him, how did you see a guy who's doing a sales pitch for Shlomo Kanievsky really needs your help? Please step yeah. up to the plate and support the Sashiva. And you saw from that that you wanted me to be Borsa. <laughs> I mean, one of the one of the famous lines, one of the famous lines of the, the film of the Skull of the Genius actually opens up with a very intense scene. We shot this in Lake Lake George last year in twenty right, twenty nineteen. We shot in a lake, shot a, a gorgeous scene. It was supposed to be sunrise, but we have to do it was supposed to be sunset. We had to do sunrise, which took the place in lieu of sunset because it was raining the night before. Be that as it may, okay. I'm, I'm standing over there and I start screaming, it is time, it is time. And then that's how the film opens up with very intense music. And that really set the plate for the, the theme for the whole film. And it was like, wherever I go today, kids are still um, like, Same. are you that guy? It's funny because his kids come over to me. Were you that guy that acted in that video? And I, I try to snap them out, not because I want to be, because I just want to see where it takes me. And I'm like, what what, what video are you talking about? You know the film? And I'm like, yeah, forgive me. I, I live in Lakewood. I, I don't watch films. I'm not in films. I, I don't do these things. <laughs> and, then, and then I say, I, I can't. I start laughing because, you know, the kids are so excited. They, oh, this guy, he's in the film. And, it, you know, in, in, in the real world, when I say real world, I mean, you know, there's Hollywood and then there's Lakewood. Right. <laughs> And Lakewood does not even Lakewood does not even come on Hollywood's radar. We that's not true. We actually have a street here in Lakewood called Hollywood. Oh my gosh! Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's hilarious. But, no, but do the you live on that street, by the way? Do you live sure. on Hollywood? No, 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 no. The only, the only, the only, the Hoy Poloi live in the Hollywood street. No. So that's hold on. Not... How did he? You didn't answer your own question. How did he get to you from? The WhatsApp status of you—you you don't know. Just, he, he just—we were all the same. We we're all the same WhatsApp status. We had we had swapped information some years earlier, and I think it just clicked. He said, "You know, I know Yaakov's a great voiceover, but maybe he'd be willing to do this video as well." And well, and and Baruch Hashem, and we became like this really close family. I, you know, it's very interesting that there's a lot, a lot of talent out there in the from world. There, there is. really, really is, and. I want to tell you something, and I think it's important. I meant I, I wanted to mention this to you earlier. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about LinkedIn for a second, if I may. I love LinkedIn. Right. So I want, but I want to tell you what is my relationship with LinkedIn. So I only really I, I signed up years ago to LinkedIn, and basically like my main job that I put there, my, the profile listing was I work for, excuse me, a charity organization, and that's that. My brother, my youngest brother, she lives in the well. He, he said, you know what, you're, you're selling the wrong product. You have to make your voiceover talent as the thing. Yes. A year later, especially with the whole COVID mishigas and the craziness, I have met so many people. And also I've done such quirky stuff on there. I've, I can't tell you how many people I've met in the video, in the video, in the, video, in the, in the entertainment, Jewish film entertainment industry 
and I've landed many, many jobs as a result of it. And I've met, yeah. met a lot of great people. But but what I wanted to do was, you know, LinkedIn, technically speaking, is is a is a business networking site. And you know, you have to have your tie and your color and very straight, and you're not allowed to crack any jokes on there. It's because it's all LinkedIn, it's all about business. And I said, no way. What I'm gonna do is that I'm gonna showcase my talent, which is voiceovers, in a quirky way, which is like one of the first videos that I made over about a year ago is when I did voiceovers from the closet. I don't know if you saw that one. I did voiceovers from the closet. I, I started talking about that what happens if you're at home and you're away from your studio and you need to do a quick voiceover. I, I've done a lot of voiceovers. It sounds funny, but I've actually done these quick voiceovers for half-minute jobs, half-minute stints on my phone using a very good um, uh, recording recording app, yeah. voiceover app. And the clients are very happy with it because even if they have to tweak it and clean it up, they have this so they can do it. So... I would I will go to my closet because the closet is everything's muffled in there, and with you know the amount of clothing that's in there it just muffles the sound. That's a perfect place to record something if you have to. I'm, I'm not suggesting it to all my future voiceovers talents out there. Right? You know, I'm not suggesting that my future uh, podcast will take will take place in my closet. Right. I'll okay. Set you know. up my studio in my closet. Right. So I'm not suggesting that you do that. If you have a studio, it's definitely worth what a studio is obviously the, 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 that makes not the most sense. You should have a studio. Any voiceover talent should have the, a, a real you know, professional studio. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I, did, I went in the closet. I was describing that you know, once we're ready in the closet, you have to understand that there are different ways of doing recordings because I have two, I have two bathrooms in my closet. I have a, a, like a, a red and blue one and I had a floral one. I said, now to muffle the sound, if you want a more masculine voice, you cover yourself with the the red and blue towel, uh, bathrobe. But if you're looking for the more feminine and soft voice, you want to use the floral towel, which of course is a bunch of baloney. But the point is that it wasn't even so much of that as much as that people began to hear my voice mm-hmm. and they saw that as quirky as well. As right. the year as the year progressed. And we went into lockdown and so on and so forth. It wasn't even so much about so much about the voiceovers anymore. It became more about how can I put a smile on people's faces wow. using my voiceover. Using if you, I'll be straightforward. You look at some of my stuff that I posted in the past year. My, my kids and my wife go, they, they, they go. I mean, with the respect that they go crazy from it. It's like, but Tati, we're not going to have to look from it because they think that you're crazy and, and, and you're doing crazy things and you're putting on your status and, and it's not good. It's a listen. Let me tell you something. This past year, if we needed to bring more joy, there's no no year in my life that I can recall that we had to bring so much joy into the world like this yeah. year. And Hashem gave me a talent, whether it's through the acting, the voiceover, the humor, to be able to put a smile on people's faces that it was worth every second of it. Because it was so far. I can't tell you how many people have told me. He said that they told me, said, you should know I have waited a week for someone to put a smile on my face. You made my day. You made wow. my this, you made this. And it's worth everything. You know which video I love? I love the one when you're falling in the leaves. I, I can't, I watched that so many times. I, it was, it yeah. was amazing. Yeah, did you see, by the way, did you see the one I posted this falling in the, I did one falling in the snow also. And yes, I, have whole, I saw I, them both. I, 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 I really, I don't want to give away too many secrets here, but I would love to make a whole bunch of series of my videoing, like, you know, in ver- similar type of scenarios that I always keep on falling down. And, Whatever it is that's there keeps it ending up all over the place. I just like I just have no hot slacha videoing videoing anything out of my studio because if I'm outside, it's either the snow, the leaves, 
acorns, who knows what, you know? Who knows what's and next? And do you see that your following went up much more once you started being your genuine self on LinkedIn? The following definitely increased. You see, I think that in LinkedIn, it happens to be that really, I think that obviously there, there are a couple of ways of how to get connections. And one is if you have great content, but I think a lot of people, again, I don't mean to, I don't want to sound disparaging to anybody. I think you have to fish around a lot. Meaning when I say, when I say fish around, I mean, you have to, you have to, you have to hit that connect button a lot more because mm -hmm. not everybody is really looking for your stuff unless you really know how to work LinkedIn well and you hashtag enough. If you put enough hashtag, and, 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 and grab the attention and, and, and hashtag people and grab their attention, you're not going to necessarily get anywhere. I mean, I, I, I know people like uh, David Stanton, for example, uh, Beryl Saab, these are people that worked for whether even David Stanton, six months, a year, whatever it is, they, they built up a tremendous base. But you know, right. you have to work, you, you work at it. You work at it right. either by constantly posting stuff or right. by, you know, you know, or just reaching out to a lot of people. So I can't say that I've reached out to that many people in terms of please connect with me, please connect with me, please connect with me. Mm -hmm. Technically, I could do it. I just haven't. Um, but it definitely has gone up. Am I out there? Do I have like sixty thousand people following, like Shay Robottom, who is who who put her who's not on anymore because she just left? I think she put her last podcast last week or something like that. But Where but uh, she left LinkedIn. I think she left LinkedIn. If I'm not mistaken. Why? Okay, we're going to get into it. Yeah, I don't, think I, I don't know if she left it or she just made her last podcast or one of the two or something like that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah so I was. I'm only on LinkedIn today. I'm gonna do a post, and it's gonna be my 124th day, and I have wow. over like 7,000 followers just because I'm constantly posting. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, like yeah. constantly yeah. posting, and I, I, I'm trying to make a connection between me and the person who's watching it, not me and LinkedIn. It's me right. and you. That's it. Right. Yeah, I, that, that's that's appropriate. But by the way, you do know that after today's video, you're gonna have like seventeen thousand followers. Oh yeah. Jacob, is there anything else you would like to share before we go? I have lunch in front of me. I'm not is it sharing. Finish with mustard. That I'm not sharing. <laughs> um, you know, Hashem gave everybody talents. There's nobody that doesn't have any talents out there. There's nobody that cannot make the world a better place. Tap into what God gave you. It doesn't require that much to think and realize what kind of talents you have. Tap into that. Use it for yourself. Don't really use it because you're looking to make a parnasa, make an extra buck, or make a living for that matter. Utilize it in such a way that you can bring joy to people. You can make other people happy. You can make get, find people jobs. You know, we're, we were not put in this world to, for ourselves. Our tachlis, our goal, our tafkid, we were put in this world to help other people. We are supposed to be selfless, not selfish. It's very, very important to realize that. Well, that was Yako Berger, the voiceover guy. Thank you so much, Yako, for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for hosting me. I really appreciate this. This is so, this is, this is, I, 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 I don't have to say anymore. <laughs> This was really nice. It was really great. It was so nice to finally meet you. And again, thank you so much for the opportunity. And yes, thank you. And if people want to get in touch with you, how can they contact you? I know where to find you. You don't find me. No, you want my phone, my phone number? My phone number? You want them to follow you on LinkedIn if you have any other social media where they could message I'm on, you on. No, I'm on LinkedIn. It's Yakov uh, Berger at LinkedIn.com. No, just Yakov Berger. Put in Yakov, Y-A-A-K-O-V. B-E-R-G-E-R, -E -E that's no relation to ham. 
Um, and am I allowed to give my phone number? I'm just afraid that some interesting people are going to call me. No, you don't have to give your phone number. Just the the, the place reach out for, reach out to you, and you'll reach out to me, and then we'll go through. Amazing. So just, you heard it from yeah, you heard it from Yaakov himself. You could DM him on LinkedIn at Yaakov Berger. Right. Oh, that was what, what? What does DM mean? Direct message. I always thought like dumb messaging or something. I have no idea what it meant. I know PM, PM, I know what PM means. PM oh, is after PM is after AM. Yeah. Oh, that's it. That's it. PM is private messaging. Yes, PM is private messaging. DM is PM is on Facebook. So you PM someone on Facebook. You DM well, someone. Hold on, on wait Facebook. a minute. Wait a minute. Let me write this down. He's writing this all down, guys. It's hilarious. P. So I'm a millennial, so I'm gonna teach you what these words mean. PM, private millennial. Yes. Oh, there you go. I knew I meant something. Yes. Right. DM me for sure. DM me, hundred percent. DM him on on LinkedIn, and if you want to get his phone number, uh, you reach out to me, and I will forward your number to him, and he will give you a call. That's that was right. Yakov Berger. Thank you so much for tuning in to the forty third episode of Hebrew Hits. I'm your host Malia, and please go hit that subscribe button on Hebrew Hits Radio, which is on YouTube. Like and share the episode with whoever you can. And please go follow us on all our favorite streaming apps. Again, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. We are everywhere. And go hit that follow button on Instagram and Facebook at Hebrew underscore hit. The accounts on Instagram and Facebook are private. So you have to hit that follow button in order to see what is going on. Well, thank you so much. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. Bye.